0: This is the Souls of San Francisco podcast by Souls of Society. I'm Dijon, founder of Souls of Society. Each week, we connect with a member of our community to hear their story and get to know them better so we can strengthen our community bond. Okay, today I am sitting here with AO Anderson, legendary frontman of Crashing Hotels. Wow. <laughs> if you don't know yet, You'll know soon. Uh, we actually got connected through the homie Frank. Yo. Frank brought me to a party at AO's house one day. And uh, <laughs> Ayo's wearing the pen. I was wearing the pen the other day. But uh, Ayo played some music for me at that party. And then ever since then, we've been homies. And that was like a year ago. No. More than that. More than that. Year and a half ago? Two years. I'd say two years. two two years ago? It's
1: gotta be two years. Man,
0: time time moves fast. Because I met
1: you at I re met you like eight months. Yeah, because I was Agape,
0: we ran into each other again.
1: So it's gotta be about a year now, right?
0: Yeah, for sure. Or or like ten. Ten to twelve months. So first of all, for those who don't know, crashing hotels. Um, can you tell me a little bit about the sound and like what you guys have been up to recently? Yeah, like, um, the sound's
1: just like how it looks, how it feels, how it is, how it's lived. The truth of it is dark electric dance rock. That's the best way to sum it up. And, um, yeah, we've been up to a lot of cool stuff. We just got back from LA just actually just, just now. Couple hours ago from LA, played our first gig in LA at the Viper Room, packed house. Um, Could have been sold out. I don't know. We don't know. But it was it was very very packed. (laughs) So it was sweet. And people were feeling it. People were feeling it. It was funny. Like, it's how most shows kind of start going because you know because like we're like new, so it's like um, people are kind of really, definitely looking and watching, and kind of trying to like see what's happening and what's going to happen and then probably after around like the third song is usually like the changing point the fourth song like there's a little more involvement with people people start moving a little bit more and it was the same thing down there people were kind of like and at the viper room the so like you load onto the stage and the curtains are closed and it's like kind of like a semicircle stage so the curtains are closed heavy theater curtains and then you're like doing all the work the busy work you know getting all shit set up and then someone says like and now, crashing hotels. And then they just open. So, like, that played into our part really, really heavily because we're so, so visual. We look so much different. I feel like little bands, I don't know what it is, but I guess we just, there's a different look to it, different feel to it. So, to have that, like, revealing in L.A. with this un, unknown situation, which was us, and just looking how we were looking, I think, it, and sounding how we were sounding, it was just really like uh, the—you could just feel it. It was just like instantly, it was just like there. It was like buzzy in there, mm-hmm. and it was weird to be the like the uh, the electricity of that buzz.
0: Yeah, and before LA, you were in New York, right? Yeah, before LA, in New York, shooting a music video and playing a couple of shows out there. What was the vibe like? As far as people's response, was it similar to LA or different? Um, it was
1: you know, it's similar and different because, you know, like those two demographics are separated by like three thousand miles and a lot of, you know, time and thought. Um, and they've marinated in different kind of feelings, you know what I mean? So like New York the first show was disgusting because we played this just really disgusting place where like the bartenders were the strippers. And they were, like, just basically rented pieces of meat for the evening. It was disgusting. And there was just so many sad, just sad men in there that it it was just sad. They were very sad. It was a very sad feeling in there. (laughs) The minute I walked in there, it was, like, some dude tried to start, like, a little, like, tiff with me. The second I walked in, this dude was, like, where's the weekend? Like, what's up with the weekend? And, like, stood in my way, and I was, like, Just kind of like, what is this, dude? And I kind of like stayed, like... I go into this sometimes when things are so ridiculous, I'll go into, like, my sociopath mode. Like, it's just, there's no other way to do it. You just have to, like, go completely numb and just, like, stare through them and just be like, dude, there's no way, I can't... Like, what are you... You're trying to pick a fight with me right now? Like, what are you doing, dude? And you just want to get out of my way, and then so finally I was just like, dude, excuse me. But, like, it was that type of energy, so... First time in New York with the band going to a venue where the bartenders are like in G strings and everything's out to so this dude trying to fight you to like nobody there
0: six people there it was it was like a different situation right <laughs> so it was it was weird i feel like those hellish situations in life are awesome because they make for great stories and yeah the more time you have away from them the more awesome they get dude I
1: mean like I've straight up I know for a fact like the six people that were there are were, are going to remember that set because it was like we played a really short set <coughs> we probably played like five songs and in between each of those songs I like I just went straight mannequin on them like I just like stopped and froze and stared at somebody harshly for a minute. <laughs> and then I would start whispering like, fame, fame. be famous, famous, fame, fame. And then eventually I guy was just like, fam! <laughs> Woo! And like, it just everybody. You could just see everybody. It was just like, boom. And then I went right into the song. And then like, laid our grooves down how we did. And then went back to the fame. Help us become famous. <laughs> and so then, you know, there's six people there. But like, that was the application that needed to happen. Because it was like, it was, a point, it, was, it was a pointless situation because there was so much sadness in the room. And it, was been, it had marinated so long there that you weren't going to get that taste out of the walls, you know. It was mm-hmm. just what had to happen.
0: So is that something you had planned to do or you just decided to do just that? Just decided to do it. Yeah. So in general, I mean, you guys have a, a fairly theatrical or visceral show. How much of it is like you plan out what you're gonna do and how much of it is it reacting to the energy of the space?
1: Um hundred percent reactive. I don't mm-hmm. really like plan out. That's why I could be probably like the best front man of a band or like the worst front man of a band. Because I don't I don't really like I will I'll I should probably always say, hey, pick up the merch at this point over there, you know, get some merch, do this, blah blah blah. But, like, sometimes I forget to do that shit because I don't, I don't have a plan for that, you know. Mm-hmm. Which would probably be, I should probably get a plan for that, but that could help. But, like, um, or I just don't know what the fuck to say and I won't say a thing the whole entire show. Which is, like, kind of, like, my more natural point, right? Like, I, like I more I more naturally feel like not saying anything and only speaking with the music that's being played rather than...
0: Mm every time I've seen you play and I've seen you play you know a good bit you've been pretty talkative and engaging yeah. especially asking people to be more interactive or like come closer or like dance or in between songs to be like yo like we put a lot of energy into this yeah. so you guys if you want to like give us energy then we'll give you energy and that's not something you usually hear people say usually people are like thank you, you yeah, yeah, yeah. and that's pretty much it but yeah. you were like Kind of requiring a connection.
1: Yeah, totally. When I see like it, it, everybody's kind of like leaning, they want to lean in for that kiss, but not doing it all, like, I'll lean in as well and say, like, we're going to share this energy. No one's going to go too far anyway. No, no one's going to be on a limb other than us, maybe. Like, I'm willing to be on a limb, but I'm not asking you to go on a limb for me or with me, even. I'm just asking. That you allow yourself to feel free enough to be safe enough to be in a tree with me, you know, and not get freaked out if it starts blowing some wind and lightning and raining and shit, you know, because the, the rainbow will show. So it's just kind of like, it's like, you know, if that's the feeling I'm getting, then I'll like, I'll kind of like try to speak with them. But if I'm not getting that feeling, I'm just fucking dead silent. I just don't want to speak from. A limb. I'd rather keep my limb on my artistic side than like that. shit can get personal real quick. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I feel you. So where did your what's the origin of your love of music or desire to create music? Shit, yeah, I have
1: no idea, man. You'd have to really not to sound like a hippie or anything, but like you'd have to say it's the origin is from the stars or something like star people because I have no idea. Like I've just always been super, 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 super like always. Always walking. My mom like would know that I'd wake up when I was a baby because I'd be going like And I still do this. Like just these little pops with my tongue for some reason. Mm-hmm. I'll, walk with, I'll be walking in a grocery store and be like, oh, well, I've like, been making that noise probably for a long time because my tongue is actually dry. So I think it's just something that, I don't know, like, how does anybody, how, how, how is anybody anything, you know? Who the fuck knows? Like,
0: Well, yeah, I mean, I feel you. I mean, the star people thing resonates with me. I just had a podcast with a dude, Adam Apollo, and we went way deep into intergalactic Exploration and his involvement with different intergalactic species. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, I think everyone has certain gifts that they're here to, to share. Totally. And like, yours seems to be clearly, you know, musical based. And I think there are races, extraterrestrial races, that are like, that's the way they communicate. Yeah, they're the rhythm makers. Right? Yeah, totally. Yeah. That's, that's totally it. and yeah, not, yeah, I don't know.
1: Just innate, I think that's the only way to turn it to mine. My love is innate.
0: Yeah. So, what about just more like earth stuff? Like, how long have you been in San Francisco and what brought you here? I've been here eight years. And what brought
1: me here is the fascination of seismic activity and geology and engineering and bridges and how a place like this could have two bridges with a fault line that's moving they're just super curious about that ever since I was like a little kid of like the earth big rocks inside the earth fall and they send shock waves and that can do a lot of damage but yeah, there's bridges here I don't know I just I've always loved San Francisco because of that the fact of it had an earthquake because it had two big bridges
0: <laughs> that's a great answer no I've never heard anyone say that's why they came to San Francisco yeah. so but the bridges have never like there've been earthquakes, but the bridges have never been damaged, right? The really? Bay Bridge fell. The Bay Bridge fell Wait, yeah, when it was that? like
1: a little chunk. I think in the eighty nine. Oh really? I think like a massive chunk, like right the size of this house or something like, fell. So, that's why they like that's why they did the rebuild of it.
0: Right. That's pretty crazy. Yeah, it is crazy. I don't want to get on that thing when that happens. Yeah, I think people feel like they're invincible until they realize they're not. You know. Totally. Um. I was just talking about that today, how I feel. I, I
1: I've. What were we talking about? I was just saying that how I am a type of person that like, I've never like it's almost like a just like a missing part of my brain, but I've never really felt like I could lose. You know, like even when I was like a little kid and we'd get in like little fist fights in the grass parker or something, I was like the tough kid. Not because I was like the biggest kid or the strongest kid, but just because my brain was like, I was like, I was like unable to like picture being beat up by this (laughs) whoever it was, you know? And then when I'm training jujitsu, like having, doing well in jujitsu, like it was, when when it really comes down to the bottom of it, it's like I really just, my brain was never preparing for defeat, like, and I was never even seeing, I was never even saying defeat. I was just always seeing myself winning. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I was weird. And then, then I used to, like, try to make parachutes when I was a kid. And I would jump off things because I like, well, I believe in my parachute. I'm not worried about the pain. There's no pain because I, I believe in my parachute. Mm-hmm. You know? So it's just, like, I've always had this kind of, like, it's still do. Like, I still, like, it's weird. Like, I don't have, like, a feeling of something happened to me.
0: So do you feel like, like, that... Quality was innate or, you know, did it have to do with your parents or? Innate. Yeah. You know? Everything I deal
1: off is innate because then I have, can have better relationships with people, right? Like, I don't, I mean, I, I every, you know, society has obviously shaped us and our parents have obviously shaped us. But I feel like I've, I've through my time on earth and here, I've become good. At understanding what's deep within myself and innate within myself, and what has kind of been layered on, you know, I know my magma, and then I try to think about my layers. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But my magma, I know the viscosity of it. I know how, I know yeah. how it will feel in my hands and how it runs and how, it, what it, what temperature it's at.
0: I mean, I feel like some people are maybe not even aware that they have layers of programming. So what was it that allowed you to access those depths within yourself?
1: When I was in my mom's closet when I was probably like 12, I'd like started playing this 12-string guitar when I was like 10. Messing around on it in her closet, like super quiet, so she went, no, I was up there messing with it. And then like I played it till like I was 11, and I was like okay at it, you know what I mean? For, like how strong and small my hands were. And then um, I stopped for some reason. I don't know why. It's probably like doing other stuff, building forts and stuff, and doing whatever. And then a year goes by, and then I came back when I was 12, and I was like, oh yeah, that guitar is in there. Like let's fuck around with the guitar. That's night, nice. Like I'll do that for hours again. And I was, like, doing it, and I was, like, could remember stuff, and I could play, like, not as well as I could, like, a year prior, but I could do it, and I hadn't forgotten it, and it was, like, locked in my brain, but my muscles and fingers were weak and shit, and, like, my skin, it hurt my fingers and stuff like that, and I was, like, wait, okay, so if I can still remember this, but my skin hurts, but it's still within me, must be just within me. I'm just, like, opening things, Right? And that, like, kind of, like, I don't know if that, that moment in life, like, kind of, like, jarred me. I was like, whoa, like, I wonder what else is within me. And then I just wonder what I can do to let that shine. And I wonder what, when shining that, those true photons of myself, I wonder what type of layers will be added to them as I go on. And I had a very clear, like, very right then and there, I was like, okay, I am me. And I'm only going to like collect ideas and opinions as I go. I, I, I'm, I, but I've already came, batteries included. <laughs> you know, so like at this point, it's like kind of like what, what, how's it gonna, how are these layers gonna be stacked? You know, you know, I feel like yeah, I've, I'm not, I've never, I'm not, and that's not saying like I've, I've had it figured out because like there's so probably some people from. Back home, that would probably think I'm like a complete asshole or like a complete or mean person for like good reason. And other people that think I'm a good person for good reason too. So it's like not saying that like, oh, I had it. like I was all zoned out and like figured it out. But like, I never lied about anything,
0: I've never lied about who I am. Yeah. And where's back home? Colorado. So, I mean, I feel like there's a pretty deep kind of thought processes to be having at 11. So I'm curious to what it was like for you in, like, junior high school or, like, elementary school or high school, you know? It wasn't anything. I was... I
1: I didn't... It was the weirdest existence ever because I was, like... I was known by everybody, but never called and never interacted with. Other than, like, weird... uh, tauntings or something like that right like i was never like kind of fully ever accepted into like a friend circle i just never had that i never had that in elementary school middle school high school college and now i'm like kind of in the same path like i have friends but like this is actually the best part of my life right now obviously because everything's a progression and everything advances, in my opinion. So it's like, people who peak in high school, I don't, I don't really understand that shit. Well, what was the, what city in, in Colorado? I was in Lafayette. What's that like? What's like the demographics of it? Just like trailer park, kind of like trailer trash, white trash, Mexican trash, black trash. It's like it goes kind of bolder, is like bolder. And then like the rich, and then it goes like... Louisville or something in between Boulder and Lafayette, which is like the middle. And then like Lafayette, which is like the kind of like, just kind of like,
0: yeah, I don't know, podunk, rural farmland. And you have, I know you have Tyrone, one brother. Do you have any other siblings? Mm -mm, Just Tyrone. And he's older? Yeah. How much older? 19 months. Okay. So did he move out to San Francisco before or after you? before he went to Stanford so he
1: he was in the Bay Area for a couple of years before I was and then he moved after college he moved to San Francisco and then that's when I like I was like all right so yeah I, I probably I came out to in part like because my brother happened to land at the place that I was fascinated with and I was like oh that just makes sense mm-hmm. two of the best worlds you know what I
0: mean yeah um are y'all close I don't, yeah, yeah. Tyron's my dude yeah mm-hmm. what's his scene is he into music I know he's that's he not loves music
1: dude he loves music that dude yeah he fucks with music he, he uh he's a he's a big supporter of that stuff he's it's definitely on his mind he doesn't really do music but he music is definitely on that dude's mind a lot
0: Are your parents musical?
1: Nah. I mean, my mom used to play, like, a little bit of guitar, like, at hotels and stuff when she was younger. That guitar was telling me about that 12-string. And then uh, my dad, I think he played a little trumpet back in high school or something. Nah. Not really. Nothing to say to, like, to influence my my choosings.
0: Yeah. Yeah, my mom is... She's always been like, you know, supportive of my gifts and um, desires to, you know, to make to make art. But I don't know that she really focuses on that. Maybe that's partially because she was a single parent and mm-hmm. you know, decided that she was going to like hold down the, like financial security and Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I had a weird, a weird high school situation also. And then I went to like a 95% white, um, upper class, private, Christian, college preparatory school, you know. Crazy. So it, it was pretty weird. And I was like, there was a very small minority section of like black people. Like I, I, very, I remember very few Asian people. I don't really remember any Mexican people. And I was like the one black person that was cool to like go between groups. Group, yeah. It'd be like at the lunch table, it'd uh-huh. be like, you know, all the white people would be seen together and there'd be like two tables of black people. Yeah, yeah. And I could sit with the black people or sit with yeah, yeah. the white people. Yeah, I could
1: see that.
0: Yeah. I can see that with you. Um, and I feel like that, you know, these situations, even at an early age kind of mirror the roles we're going to play later in life because what that taught me was, how to, like, bridge worlds yeah, and also how to communicate with different types of people. Totally. You know, which is what my work is, right? Yeah. um, So I, I would imagine there's probably some some things you've learned, you know? Yeah, there's so, I mean, I'm like, what did I learn? I'm
1: like, I always kind of would not, when I think about these things, I try to, like, not, don't want to, like, come off pessimistic because I don't think it's, like, pessimism or anything like that, but, like, My perception on this whole thing is, like, is my own perception, you know what I mean? So I can only do my best to explain it. Um, But, like, what I learned is people are kind of shitty in, in a very similar way. Like, people, humans, no matter their skin color or whatever, like, they kind of deal with past pain, you know, that they're aware of or not like in a very similar fashion like and they, they they take past pain and they try to pass the pain you know what I mean right so I feel like I was always this kind of like and I still you know like even today like uh, uh, in my life right now I, I've had a lot of crazy stuff happen to me like where I shouldn't even be sitting here doing this interview with you like in a sense for like because of the music, right? Because, like, there's like, so many things that should just stop this music from happening, and big things, you know? And so I've always felt like the universe has seen me as a durable piece of fabric or something. Like, I, I just feel like I get a lot of wear and tear. But, like, yeah, I just kind of, like, bounce back and it's like... Or don't even bounce back, I just kind of, like, wear and tear and it's just kind of like... Ooh. So, like... That was kind of was my experience back then as well. It's like It was like, I was kind of like, in my opinion, I was needlessly worn out by people that could have not done that. They could have just like easily just accepted my smiles and accepted my frowns and accepted my music and accepted my sports and just kind of accepted things rather than kind of like, I don't know. I still don't know what it is. I still don't know why like still to this day, people don't, like, really call me to hang out, and I don't, it's not, I'm not bothered by it, but I'm, like, it really is starting to become, like, this is kind of interesting, <laughs> because it's happened for so long, but yet, like, when I speak with people, like, there's a very strong connection, you know what I mean, like, it's just how it is, like, whenever I'm with some people, or whenever wherever I'm wherever I am, there's always, like, good feelings happening, and, like, s- truths being told, and, like, Power within those words, but um, it's very rare that I'll hear the telephone ring for that, you know,
0: which I'm okay with. I hear you. Yeah, I feel like for me, I mean, you were telling me about the type of thoughts you're having at 11 years old, right? So, like, you're a thoughtful person and, like, you seem to be a pretty deep person. Yeah. And just to exist at that level is like a it's like a certain energetic frequency you know it's like a, a temperature of water you know totally. it's like it's like hot right Totally. and for you I think it feels very natural to be in that like hot water <laughs> but for a lot of people I mean maybe it's not as comfortable and it's easier to be in like you know shallower places and it's not necessarily like judging like one is better than the other i just think people have different natural like frequencies totally. and i noticed when i was growing up you know i always was curious about like what the fuck was going on yeah. you know that i that things weren't being told and i was like don't you have questions like what about this or like what about that and people would just be like like i remember one girl got super pissed at me at, at a party she was like stop asking questions that no one has answers for you know and she was like yeah, yeah. oh, she was pissed and I just I just looked at her, and I was like, like, what? You know? Because yeah. like, I, like, I was that, like, <laughs> yeah, curious. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, But eventually something clicked, and it was like, oh, like, everybody doesn't want to explore the way that I'm interested totally. in exploring. Totally. Um, so even in the moment, if they are, like, seemingly enjoying the conversation or engaged, like, when they're removed from the situation, they're like, okay, well, I don't want to go back to that place because then there are things like, down there that maybe I don't want to know the answers to. I don't want to explore. Yeah. Um, That was just my personal experience, and maybe, like, some of that, you know, correlates to why you only click with, like, a certain, you know, wavelength of person. Yeah,
1: well, like, you know, I feel like I do. Like, it's crazy. Like, I'm telling you, like, my, my motto would be the most popular, unpopular person, like, (laughs) <laughs> like I really, I click with everybody. Like, you know, I'll meet your parents. I'll meet your boyfriend, your girlfriend. You'll be my best friend. My parents, my parents' neighbor's dog, their 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 neighbor's baby. Like I'm those all those people on that rainbow. I'm gonna speak to exactly the same. I'm gonna use the same exact words. I'm gonna have the same exact ideas. I'm going to dress the same. I'm going to paint my fingernails the same in front of them. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's, 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 it's I don't know. It's interesting. It's interesting to so obviously have an effect, but yet not have, like, a, um, a community of, like, we reach out and feedback and reach out and feedback. Right? Like one calls and hangs up and comes over and goes out. It's, it's like more like you get these times to kind of be around people and we talk and people ask questions and you ask questions and it's done and you both say, oh, that was fantastic. And then you don't talk to each other for four months. And
0: well, we've been friends for a couple yeah. of years and we talk pretty often. Yeah, yeah. So there's at least one exception to That's yes, cool. <laughs> um, so, you know, it seems like a, you were saying a lot of the truths that you've figured out or your ways of being are innate, um, which is cool. But I'm curious, like, who do you feel like, human-wise, is one of the biggest influences on your life? And, like, what do you feel like you kind of gleaned from their influence? Um, one of the biggest influence on my life... Shit, I have
1: no fucking idea. Um I mean I'd have to kind of say like my family in general would just be the influence of my life because they are the source of my life. Like I know like I yeah, my my highest influence has to come from my creator. So I'm influenced through the star people that created my parents. And so these are now people I don't even understand. But these are people that I can tap into through, like, allowing uh, myself to be open through myself. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. It's kind of like uh, my influence comes from the sound of, like, that sound when you... Put some water on your finger and you rub it around the rim of a crystal glass. Like, depending on what type of crystal that is and how big that crystal is and how good that crystal is and how shaped, like you get a certain tone of it. Right, it buzzes at a certain frequency. Something else buzzes at another frequency. So like, my influence is my frequency. Like I'm not really influenced off of like uh, people who I respect, like Ariel Pink or something. I'm not really influenced off of them. I'm more kind of like interested in them. I'm not, influ- I'm not influenced by, like, the work of Malcolm X and Martin Luther King. I'm interested in them. But I'm influenced off of my family who sourced my life for me somehow. So, yeah, I guess, like, looking in the physical sense, like, I look at my brother and I see his successes and I see him working hard. And I think back when my dad would wake up, I'd hear the... Cut the- his truck crank up in Colorado in, in the winter time so it could warm up for 20 minutes before he went to work and I'd like look at the clock and it'd be you know like 5.45 and I'd be like damn he's up like cranking up the car like I'm gonna sleep for like three more hours probably he's cranking up the car and like I can hear the bowl clinking around like he made oatmeal like that oatmeal is my influence that 20 minutes of preheat of a car is my influence. Like Knowing that my brother is in Italy and retired at 32, that's my influence. Seeing the hard work is influence, you know what I mean?
0: Your brother's retired at 32? Pretty much. What's that
1: story? He's the number one guy in big data in the world. And big data is a big thing. And he's... Somehow managed to become an expert salesman and also an expert um, engineer, and so those two fields together in technology. So I don't. What is big data? Big data is like massive data sets for anybody that, this 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 computer is like just sending data right now, mm. and it's being collected probably by something that my brother had his hands involved in, or if not, his team didn't build from scratch. Mm. So he collects massive, massive data, and he basically, or he used to, he would help companies know who they were trying to sell to.
0: Okay. Makes sense. Mm -hmm. So I know it's, you know, you play music, and that's how you primarily express Mm -hmm. ideas, but I also feel like you're a thoughtful and articulate person. So do you feel like you could express, you know, crashing hotels ethos, you know, for lack of a better word, or, like, what you want people to, like, take away when they come to a show?
1: I want them to take away no answers. I want to present purely questions, no answers. I want them to take away that they've witnessed in a safe environment something unique and different that they could think about or not think about, they could dismiss or embrace. I want them to think about each other. I want them to think about who else is there. I want them to think about someone that they know who makes music and if they should hear it. And that's why I don't want them to think about, like, there's no real overarching anything there, but I want them to have no answers from me about what's happening
0: there. I only present an idea. Do you feel like that's something that can be accepted by... A mainstream or at least a large group of people or niche of people because yeah, I'm
1: a charming young man
0: <laughs> I think
1: it's just a matter of time so people understand the idea and the concept of that because I think and all due respect of people putting in time into recording studios and all this stuff but like I think the music has just become very stale and very kind of regurgitated and safe and kind of like how can we get people strictly to dance like you know, let's put this four to the floor. But now people aren't really dancing. They're, like... They're square dancing, literally. They're dancing. It's four. there's four. It's a square. Like, just because you don't have cowboy boots on and you're not tapping your heels together doesn't mean you're not square dancing. Like, when you go to these, these DJ parties and stuff and it's just, like, Just square dancing in a, in a new sense, you know? So...
0: So you want to open it up more than that.
1: Yeah. Just allow people to be themselves. Like, I don't know. I feel like I I was just telling someone, I was like, I could could be a really good, like, motivational speaker. Maybe you would have to retitle it, but I could be a really good, like, speaker of just do your thing. Let the worries go. Let the stresses go, dude. Like, I just don't stress about things, dude. Like, I really don't. And I've had a I've had it a doctor prove it when I was getting booked by the DEA on some serious, serious charges. Like when that, when that physician, when you're getting booked into that type of situation, they're swiping every crevice of your body for DNA and scanning you with lasers, taking your hair, and like it's just crazy the process that these fools do. Um, you know, at some point in time, you go see a doctor to see like what your your physical shape is. And you know they take your blood pressure on that, and the doctor inside the fuck place was like, "You should definitely keep this information on hand if you're going to go to court with this, because you're like, like your, your your blood pressure is like amazing. You don't seem to be stressed at all about anything." So let's let's back up. Like, what's? Can you explain that story? What what was going on? Oh man, just... like. I used to do, I used to try to help a group of people in San Francisco at the Peter Claver House, which is if you've ever, ever been to the Peter Claver House, which I know no one has, um, for good reason, because you don't go to a human zoo to watch people die, which is what it is, or you, what it used to be until I went there and did a lot of good work. What, what is it? Uh, it's a hospice, it's like a, it's like a death house. It's like there's people that just don't have family, don't have money. They have cancer, AIDS, whatever. They have a terminal illness, and they get these rooms, some of which don't even have windows. And they get a room that's the size of a jail cell, and they hang out there until they don't, until that room becomes vacant and someone else moves into it. So it's a really sad place. And I don't know. I was growing weed, and I was really doing a lot of good things with that, with the Peter Clayber House, and blah blah blah. All This stuff goes on bad person, landlord, permits, bad law, bad California law, it just, I was a perfect poster child to say, like, oh, this okay, this guy's doing, like, a bad thing, so, yeah, I was, like, I was booked with three felonies, drug charges, and yeah, kinda of, like try to like they try to like kinda of make an example because they like messed up on some search warrants with these other people that they busted at the same day, but they like got my address right. They messed up on the other two dudes' addresses, they like put the wrong number in so that their case got thrown out, so they like they had to they had to prosecute someone. Even though I was like definitely by far like the most legit person, like ton like ton of permits, like, you know, rezoned my property blah. blah, blah. But yeah, I was booked on, like, yeah, three felonies and kind of, that's what it was. But...
0: Did you do time for that? No. And how did you avoid that, going to jail?
1: By being myself, from the beginning, since I was 12.
0: That's a great answer. <laughs> <laughs> you know? I feel you. So what does that mean? You just, like, talked to the judge and told him what you're doing? He was like, that's cool, or? No. Um,
1: A friend of mine, Gina Moon, who's an amazing person, very, very successful lawyer in her own right, um, had done a lot of good work with this guy named Stuart Hamlin, who is uh, very, very well-known criminal defense lawyer in the Bay Area did a lot of like big cases a lot of big race cases a lot of big like uh, police brutality cases a lot of just cases where people really needed help and Gina was just like dude this is crazy like you have three felonies on you right now like I gotta like I gotta burn one of my like pass go cards and so she yeah she was just like dude I gotta call in a favor like you gotta my friend we definitely can't do, you know, ten plus years in prison <laughs> for something that was actually done pretty, pretty amazingly well. So yeah, so Stuart Hamlin took my case, and uh, yeah, pretty much got me out of that. When was that? Hmm,
0: almost two years now. It'll be two years in February. So. Was that going on when I met you? That was right before I met you? Yeah, probably. Mm. That's... Yeah. So I think... Yeah, it must be about less than two years because I don't think that was... I, I didn't know about any of that. I mean, not that you would tell, like, a stranger that information. Yeah, yeah But yeah, yeah. it wasn't like... It didn't seem like it was around your life, you know, at the time. Yeah, I was probably when I met
1: you, I was probably still, like, growing and doing, doing just my
0: normal work. yeah. So, now that you avoided 10 plus years in, <laughs> in prison and you're doing the music thing, what's your dream for your, you know, 5, 10, 15 years of your life? Man, my
1: dream is to be at a dinner table with some of my friends involved in the project, musically, internationally, and sitting at a dinner table with them with dinner on me as a thank you for, like, their acceptance and help and energy and effort to get all the way over there to play that music for these people. Like, that's, like, a huge... That's why I just keep seeing... i kind of caught up on that one. I don't really see past that because I don't see there's a need to... My hunger is, my hunger is pure with that one right now. So, like, once I get that one, then I'll probably have... Some other dreams, but I was actually just talking to, to my lady about this. I was just saying, like, I was like, I was like, you know, dreams, I, I have short attention span. Dreams lose my attention, but daydreams is what keeps me going. Like daydream is a dream that happens every single day, you know, and a daydream is a snowflake and a dream is a snowball. But I look at snowflakes because those are the ones that kind of like are motivating me right now during like my surfboard so yeah I'm just trying to get to that table to have some dinner simply that and after that we'll start fucking with some avalanches and snowball fights but <laughs> right now we're just gonna let those, those uh, stuff like settle to
0: where they need to be I can dig it yeah so right now the makeup of crashing the is you and hot tub Tony Yeah. So when you were saying that you're at dinner with the people that are helping, does that mean you see other members joining crashing hotels? Or
1: I mean, at that point, like I think we could get to I think we can get overseas, like like in a real way, by end of next year and have that dinner. I see that like happening within the, like in the next year. So probably no new like musical members. But what I mean by that is like. Christine Christine, Erica, Tony, and somebody that's like on the back end just kinda of helping us like load in, load out and get our gear going, like you know, some of that and doing lights with us. That's what I see. It's a small, very small situation. Brian Chu maybe over there. Mm-hmm. Shooting video about it. A group of like eight people maybe. Christine and Erica are your managers. Yeah, they're man- well, Christine's my man. Our manager and Christine and Erica have a artist management agency called Audacious. Together, they're business partners. So, and they're just like they're just two like if they were cars, they would just be like a really cool Ferrari and a really, really cool Porsche. Those are good cars. Yeah, they're cool cars. <laughs> they're very powerful cars and very aerodynamic.
0: That's what's up. Yeah. So. How did you meet them? i actually played your. uh-huh that was a trick question. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah no yeah playing your so since you met them through me maybe I get yeah maybe you come to yeah, yeah. yeah you know but seriously yeah
1: yeah but you know what's funny about that show is that was a week before we played the noise pop festival and dude for some reason like I was just like this show this is the show and it was at this weird you know like Patreon or something like it was like what is this place. PA setup, it's not like a house system in there, it's not like you're gonna get this crazy good sound in there, right? Yeah. But you and we're playing the independent the next day, or the next week, so it's like that is where you're gonna get the crazy good sound, right? You're gonna be loud and on stage, higher big high stage. This one, no stage, PA system, and I couldn't get it out of my head. I was like, this is the fucking show. And it was like I was almost like, I was almost I I wasn't almost, I was like insistent with Tony. I was like, this one. We play insanely hard. We release our, like, you know, our, our, our uh, little, like, production that we do, our like, our production set, our staging. Like, it was like, well, should, maybe should we do that? Just release it on the independent. Yeah. But I was like, okay, we've got to give it to them on this show. This, this show is
0: the show. Yes. Hey. Yeah. Actually created the intro and outro music. Oh, yeah. That, that bookends this podcast. Yeah. That dum 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 Nice. And I love that shit too. Cool. It feels really good. I was thinking when I when I do different cities then I'll have a different musician create you know that lives in that city you know a different song because the whole point is that you're Experience and the energy like from that place. Totally, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. The intro
1: place, the intro music should definitely come from a, a person that has that energy.
0: Totally, for sure. So, crashing hotels has the one sound. I mean, I have heard a lot of different types of your music, and the first music I heard from you was that eccentric billionaire. Stuff, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, which I feel like. You know, it's pretty awesome. It would be very successful also. Yeah. <laughs> can, you, can you explain to the people what Eccentric Billionaire is? Uh,
1: Eccentric Billionaire is, like, actually, it's, like, Eccentric Billionaire started as, like, just kind of, like, um, an idea. I would always be, like, oh, this is an Eccentric Billionaire idea. And it was just, like, really, really over the top, kind of, like, you know, just things that a, an Eccentric Billionaire would do like if i was a billionaire like i would do things such as blah 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 like that were just kind of like crazy like human tables or something like that or like i don't know just just line stuff like girls in stiletto heels like aerating your grass or something like that by walking up and down it like just dumb ideas that don't really make any sense and typically end in laughter um but yeah, so it started as like kind of this idea of, like, what, what would one do with a lot of money? I'm an eccentric billionaire. That's kind of, like, a, my idea. I have this thing I want to do. I want to, like, uh, have a cupcake store called KK Cakes <laughs> and have <laughs> have the cupcakes, like, all super, like, you know, like... The first ones would just be like white hats, like KKK. <laughs> the frosting would be in KKK. So you'd only get these cook, you know, like that would only be that type of cupcake uh-huh. you could get, KKK. Right? <laughs> and then, you know, you would ask that girls, you'd like, you know, put like just ass-line racist, racist shit on cupcakes. Uh-huh. So you could get racist cupcakes, and like that would just be good, like, well, I don't know, that's what I do, Because I'm an eccentric billionaire. No, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. So you you class, laugh, you class, laugh about yeah. it so it's a good idea, but it, it would you know what I mean? but something I can't do because I'm not a
0: billionaire. <laughs> um, I'd say I laugh about it because it's funny. I don't, know if, <laughs> I don't know if it's a good idea. It's definitely funny. Well, a uh, funny idea is a good idea <laughs> in my opinion. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there's, a, there's a blurry
1: line. There's a hello blurry line. I love blurry lines. I think yeah. that's the best way to go. Remember, I don't want any answers
0: here. Yeah That's cool. But sonically, that music is very different than Crashing Hotels. Like, That's like this kind of like arty, dark, like hip-hop, which maybe I think would be better explained if you tell the story of how you made the song, like what you were doing when you made the song. What was I doing when I made the song? You told me that you dropped some acid and then did some pop rocks You were like, I did it 37 minutes in uh, yeah. <laughs> not 36, not 38, 37 minutes in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then eccentric billionaire was the persona that like came out at that.
1: Yeah. That's full of shit. <laughs> but that's like, yeah, that's another eccentric billionaire, like <laughs> idea. Like you'd have to take pop rocks like, at the exact same time as like in co, in, in cohesion with like doing acid because like it would mean something, you know? Uh huh. Um, so that story is not real. No, that story is not real. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! See, that's why that's that that thing is like what's it called? What's it say? Like um, liars have to have like immaculate memories. That's why. That's another reason is I don't have that great of a memory for like like what's going on. I, I so I only I only speak like truth of like when it really matters. Just so I can never be, so I'm never like feeling caught in a weird situation, you know, because, like, when you're like, oh, how did you make that? I'm like, have oh, fucking no idea. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember I told you I did. <laughs> um, That's funny. But, yeah, I mean, that, that song, that Pellegrigio song is, is you know, it's a, glor- it's a, it's a, it's a song glorifying smoking weed and drinking sparkling water. Together, because that's like really, if you've ever smoked weed and you drank sparkling water together, like you understand that that's a fabulous only way to do it.
0: <laughs> I think that maybe you're starting a new fan right now. Yeah, <laughs> so, so uh, I mean, obviously, I was going to link to crashing hotels and the liner notes of this podcast, but could people hear the eccentric billionaire also? Yeah, that'd be awesome. Cool. Well, I think that that would be a good treat for you guys. <clears throat> and you know AO speaks his language is music and just to see like what he's capable of from two different perspectives you know you wouldn't even know it was the same person or but the guy's an immense talent musical talent so check out those links and looks like we started a new fad yeah the weed and the sparkling water We keep it bubbling keep it stony man <laughs> keep it bubbling, keep it stony well I guess we can't give you too many gifts there's been a lot of gifts that's a high gift maybe maybe that's our peak to go out on I think alright that sounds like a good one (laughs) alright well this is that San Francisco shit thanks for being here Aya. thank you for having me man